Welcome to Season 4 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am Catherine McPhail, your host. I'm an architect practicing in Eastern Massachusetts. In past seasons, we've covered all sorts of subjects with the intention of helping homeowners who may never have been involved in a renovation before and they felt like they needed to know what they were doing. We've built up over 100 episodes on everything from roofing to foundations, heard many renovation stories, and learned how to hire various professionals. This season, we'll be focusing even more on the challenges of renovating old houses while incorporating new technologies, using my own new house as a case study. We'll have all sorts of different guests, most having to do with what I'm just calling the next level of renovations. Now that you've got these 100-plus episodes under your belt, I think you're ready. In this episode, I'm speaking again with interior designer Amy Everard. You may remember Amy from episode 31, Architect versus Interior Designer, and episode 61, Flooring Options. So obviously Amy is a friend of the show, and when I first encountered her, I was listening to her podcast, Soft Landing. I really liked it, and I really liked Amy and her energy, so that's when I originally asked her if she would be on the show to explain the difference between architects and interior designers, which, you know, as an architect, I should probably know what the difference is, but there's it's, it's a little bit blurry between the two. Then also, in my experience, very different. This recording is of a session. I hired Amy to help me with the interior design for the smart old house. And even though I've been in the architecture field for 26 years now, and I know hundreds of architects, I've never worked with an architect or an interior designer as a client before. Amy's mission is to help other people create their dream space. So her approach is basically helping someone who's doing it themselves. Anyway, it was really fun and you know, just a great experience to be the client and because usually I am not the client. And so it gives me a little bit more empathy for what my clients might be going through. I talked to Amy before we actually moved into the house about a week before we closed. So I have to kind of smile at my old self being very optimistic about, about the house or maybe it just shows my change of outlook now that I've been here for a while and dealing with powder post beetle damage and other non-bougie things, not concerned with velvet couches versus not velvet couches at the moment. Right now, I'm just trying to keep the house standing. She agreed to let me make a podcast out of each of these sessions. I have another session with her tomorrow, so there'll be another part two coming up. She asked me to do a little bit of homework. I sent it to her ahead of time. Here is my conversation with Amy. Thank you so much for sending over everything that you did. I like that's kind of like the perks of working with an architect is that you know all the stuff you're supposed to be sending over just kind of naturally, which is great. And so it was really good to see that scope document that you sent over just in terms of everything you want to do. Well, I guess, oh, the vibe document, right? That too. But that kind of becomes like a little bit of a to-do list as well. And what it sounds like from your email is that you want to prioritize these three rooms on the first floor, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to figure out the whole house eventually, right? And we're going to be showing people around the whole house. Part of the issue is that we are working with the automation company in kind of a partnership with them so that we are agreeing to be a show house for the South Coast. And also... Nobody knows me down there. So if I have clients over to my own house, is it, I don't have any other projects that are close to there right now. Anyway, so that's the idea is that I would have people over and not feel embarrassed or like the cobbler 
children have no shoes. Yeah, that's the analogy we always use in our industry. (laughs) So that's, that's awesome. And I love the idea of doing kind of like a show house. Are you going to, is that, so that's not going to be your primary residence, right? It's going to be more like a secondary. No, that's it. That's my primary. Oh, cool. Okay. 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 So that's, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. And I also want it to be, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but um, you know, this is like a whole transition time for me. Like my youngest is leaving high school and my oldest ones leave are leaving one of us left, you know, the whole thing. So I'm thinking that I would like my house to be a place that people like to come visit and feel comfortable and are kind of delighted by, especially if I ever end up having any, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but if I ever end up having any grandchildren, I would love it to be a house, like just this kind of magical house that when people grow up a little, they'll say, you know, that wasn't normal. I felt like that kind of magic was normal, but turns out that's not a standard. I kind of like to have some fun, I guess. Oh, well, I'm glad you said that because that's actually built into our agenda today. Okay, <laughs> so good. Document what that means. Um, so that's going to be part of the the swoop exercise that we'll do in a minute because that's, I love that, like magical moments of delight. It's like so important in anyone's anyone's home, but I think it's really great that you want to prioritize that. One of the things that I like to start with is an exercise that it's called clickbait from the future. And the idea is that your house is done. It's like completely finished and it's going to get a write up from whatever your like favorite publication is. It could be like an architectural digest type of thing, or it could be um, more like a whatever, whatever kind of publication you like to read, whether it's like Time Magazine or The New Yorker or something like that. So what is the headline that summarizes the house at the end? And we can come up with more than one too, but the idea is to kind of think about what would really draw people to click on an article about your completed project? Um, well, well, okay. No, this is a tough one, Amy, but well, what we're calling is smart old house right now. So that's its name. I mean, the thing I want it to be, I would like it to be known for would be taking, taking this old house and keeping its character and then making like adding all this new technology I don't know. I'm having a really hard time picking, picking that, picking the publication. Why don't you just give me one? Give me one. Yeah, let's see. Um, well, actually, since you're talking about it being a smart home, we could have it be like a tech magazine. Like what's a cool tech magazine that people. Oh, geez. No idea. No idea. What about this old house magazine? That's like the opposite. Is that a magazine? This old oh, house yeah. is a magazine? Oh yeah. That's actually, that's the one magazine. Oh no, I get that. And I got Vanity Fair. This old house magazine. And then, um, well, you know what might be a good one to do is um, the New York Times, because with the New York Times, you see their articles and you see the titles and then you see a subtitle and then you have to pay. So they have to make their articles look real, like they're going to really inform you and change your life because then they're like, do you want to get a subscription? And I'm like, no. No. Yeah, let's do like this old house and and the New York Times. I think yeah. we'll get what we need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I'll start with the example. We do this exercise with um, C-suite executives and it's it can be really, really informative when you're in a group yeah. because the COO will say one thing and yeah. the CEO will say something very different. So like the head of HR will be like, uh, this office is the best place to work, you know? And then the CEO will be like, this office created a 50% increase in revenue, you know, like. Yeah, 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 they have different why? focuses, yeah. Right, right. So that's the kind of the kind of thing that we usually look at. And then for a house, I feel like, I think it might be helpful to think about like, who might be writing the article if it's a potential client or someone who saw the house for the first time as this kind of like showpiece experience. And I like where you're, where you're kind of going with it already, where it's like this history and technology kind of blending together in a unique way to create something new. So, I remember when I was working on a hotel in Boston, like one of my very first jobs, it was actually such a nightmare. The hotel's closed now. It was the Ames Hotel. And my boss just kept saying, Benjamin Franklin meets a supermodel. Benjamin Franklin meets a supermodel. Yeah, Benj that is a little horrifying. Think of Benjamin um, Franklin meeting a supermodel. I know. Oh, it's so different, many different levels. Interesting. Although that is kind of clickbait-ish, but uh, okay. So I want them to feel like it's really uh, like a party haven or comfortable or just like interesting, or it's a great place for introverts to go who don't want to go to the party because there's something interesting about the house and about the furnishings and the textures and everything that can be absorbing them instead of having to talk to people if they feel uncomfortable or it be like a conversation starter sort of place where if someone's feeling uncomfortable, they can just say to the person standing next to them, like, uh, is that, do you think that's a bust of Hadrian or something? <laughs> well, and I like what you were saying before about like magic, like this idea of the alchemy that's going to be created when you combine these two things and then having this kind of like contrast that creates this kind of like magical space. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I do kind of want it to feel different when you're in there other than, you know, just a regular like a standard house. I don't want to stay. I definitely don't want a standard house. I definitely do want it to be, um, I mean, for kids, it's harder to get to the magic with adults, but it's easier. It's easier with kids. Let's see. So we could say something along the lines of history and technology combined to create magic. That's kind of like the gist of it. And I think we could come up with something snazzier, but like, sure. Yep. No, that is the gist. Okay. That's the gist. All right. That's the gist of it. And then for this old house, ooh, actually, this old house could be historic home enchanted, enchanted by technology. <laughs> yep. Okay, so that's kind of like the big picture, right? Yes. Okay. The next exercise we're gonna do is a little bit um, more straightforward. So I don't know if you've seen a variation of this before. There's a SWAC. So I, I changed it a little bit because challenges, uh, obstacles, whatever. But then we want to talk about pleasure, which is what you were talking about before, where we have these moments of delight. And so what we're going to go through and do is talk about the, the house itself, the existing house itself, its strengths, its weaknesses, 
it's opportunities, it's obstacles, and it's pleasure moments, right? What are what are just some like cool, sweet, maybe frivolous things about the home that you really enjoy? Mm-hmm. And you can also be thinking about your your plan for the home as well. We can talk about the home as an entity, but also like what you want to do with it. So um, let's start with the strengths. Um, So the strengths I would say are, well, it's kind of like it's simplicity and nobility kind of. It's like this Quaker house that just sits there like eight feet from the street. Like it's not afraid to just be there on the street. You know, I don't know. That's why I think of those, those kind of houses. It's very plain. It's very plain in that it's just like a flat, you know, it's just a plain, you know what I mean? It's like a Quaker house. Right, 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 right. It's not like ostentatious. No, but it has like little frills to it because the guy who built it on the inside at the at the stringer, I guess, in the front hall, it's like has these little waves that go up, which I think is like kind of a cute added thing that nobody needed to do. So it's Ooh. like, it's that's kind of decorative. And then my favorite, favorite thing about the whole house, which is like the reason I want to buy the house really is that the bottom stair, it turns and it goes, um, like the stair comes down super steep, very narrow. And then it comes down to a landing and it goes left or right. And it goes one way into the half bath, which is, you know, not up to code. And then the other way to the front hall, which is very small. And then um, at the very bottom of the stairs, instead of the, the bottom stair uh, rounding out, it rounds in. So there's like this little carved out area that would be perfect for an umbrella stand or something. It looks like something was it's like, yes. it's, it's like a little bite has been taken out of the bottom stair. So that was the first thing I saw about the house. And I, I knew I needed to have the house because of that little detail. I love that. I'm putting that in the pleasure category because that's so frivolous and cute. And it's just like a little moment of joy. So cool. strengths. Also, another strength is that it has its, um, the house and the driveway are all the way to the right of the lot. And then the left of the lot is this big, anyway, there's big garden. There are two big patios. Yard. Big, big yard for, for me. Since I, I gasped when I saw it on the listing. I was like, that yard is huge. Oh yeah. For me, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. It has a little gazebo, which is this, you know, I never wanted a gazebo, but I have one now. <laughs> so now I'm thinking how that could be so cute. And I, so the outdoor spaces there are besides the yard would be like the um, gazebo, the two patios. So there's a lower patio that I'm feeling will be like couches and a fire pit and then the upper one which will be more eating and like an outdoor kitchen area so anyway i i'm thinking a lot about outdoor spaces just because um you know covid and also i love my garden so pretty excited i'm gonna put that actually in opportunities so outdoor gatherings because that's a big deal to be able to host events comfortably outdoors in this day and age so i think that's really great yeah. And I want to design part of it. Like, you know how there's that big lawn area, I guess. Well, I'm not into lawns, but I might put clover there, whatever, but I, I want to keep it open so I can have tents put up for parties, like big parties. Well, okay. It's not that big of a tent, but like a 20 by 40 tent where I could have maybe 60 people at tables in under the tent, you know? Yeah. Okay. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, sorry, we got off strengths and the, no, no, so- this is great. Yeah. And another strength or something that I really love about it is the wide floors upstairs. I mean, downstairs there's smaller floors, but upstairs they had the pine, the white pine and a couple of the rooms. So I like that. Love that. That makes me feel at home because my house was like that growing up or not really growing up when I was in high school, I guess. Anyway, 
I'm going to put that under pleasure, the nostalgia. Okay, cool. Let's jump into weaknesses. And then if we see more, we can add to any categories we talk. But what what would you say are the drawbacks of the house right now? Well, right now the kitchen, uh, I mean, I need to redesign the kitchen. That little addition they put on recently is just not what it's hard to work with. So there, there's a little awkwardness. There's actually two, I guess not a weakness, but a challenge. Would that be, is there a challenge in there? No weakness. Anyway, it's, it's an awkward space back there. It's um, a little too, I want to differentiate uh, the use between the different spaces instead of just having like sitting room, sitting room, sitting room, sitting room. Cause I'll have like four sitting rooms and then what, there's only two of us. We're just going to sit around in different rooms, different days. Like I don't want to, I want to use the whole house ideally. So I'm putting that in the obstacles category. Yeah. Okay. Weaknesses. So yeah, definitely the kitchen um, weaknesses. Other than that, I think it's, uh, oh, also there are a lot of vinyl windows, which I don't like, but I don't know if those are weaknesses. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Anything you don't like about it is a weakness. Yeah. I don't like the vinyl windows so much. And it's not really, it's not really a weakness, but there's just going to be a lot of challenges with making it energy efficient, you know? And also vermin, vermin free. I mean, I'm sure they're old, they're mice because there are always mice in old houses. So I just need to um, get my cats down there and seal it up. Yeah. Cats will do a lot. <laughs> my, my cat is a killer. She's very good at, I could rent her out. She's, she's so good. Yes. She's a great yeah. huntress. That's what I always say about my cat. She's a, she's like a skilled stalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's a good skill to have, you know, keep keep them around. Yeah. Rodents down. Exactly. That's why they're in every bodega in New York city. They're, they're staff members. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They have a job. Yeah. 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 Um, how do you feel like the house is on storage? Oh yeah. Not good because we had, yeah, the basement storage, like there's no basement really. I mean, there's a five and a half foot area that my husband, um, he doesn't like basements anyway, and he's just not going to allow anything to be stored down there. Yeah. I mean, hopefully I'll be able to fix it up enough so that we're pouring a new slab and doing insulation and things like that underneath the slab. And so it'll be a more of a finished, not a finished space, like a room, but hopefully we'll be able to store some more stuff. I've never been to the attic. I think there's an attic, but if we end up putting ductwork up there and stuff, and also it's just like a drop down, it's not great on storage. Yeah. It's not. Okay. So that's good. Cause I think you're kind of touching on some of the opportunities with the house. So you have the attic that you can use for HVAC upgrades, which is great. Um, and then you have the the basement it doesn't sound like it's going to be really that helpful but i think one of the other opportunities that we should document that we've already talked about is just having um having a client showroom basically oh, that's yeah. like so huge right so mm-hmm. what else would go in the opportunity category opportunity category i guess the memory making memories with grandchildren even though that's like like, I don't even have any. I don't want to scare my kids away or like friends and family. Let's just put you can say making memories, right? making memories. Yeah. It's and I also with like new with new friends and like having a place to invite friends over that I can be proud of and that they can have fun and be like, that was a fun house. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. And I think you got like a good kind of concept going with the, the different uses of the rooms, which is really cool. And then obstacles. Are there any other obstacles with the house that you already are anticipating with the renovation that we didn't cover yet? We got a few good ones. Well, I mean, some obstacles could be that I don't think the floors are going to be able to be refinished. I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen with the fireplaces, you know? So, I mean, there's some uncertainty as to what is going to be able to be done. Like, I don't know if the windows open, (laughs) the old windows, but I'll find all these things out once, you know, once I get into it a little bit more. Yeah. And if you have to replace those vinyl windows, it might not be the end of the world it's just oh no for sure no the vinyl windows probably open but there are a lot of old windows that are also there there are a handful Um, of vinyl ones so i don't know if those open but i'm going to get them restored of course so rebuilt yeah yeah okay love that yeah and that's all kind of like the classic mystery challenges with renovating a home like you don't sometimes you just don't know until you get started yeah Um, and i may have to put more money i don't know how much money we're gonna have to put into the whole thing so i mean maybe an obstacle could be the cost of achieving what I want to achieve with certain aspects of the house. Unknown. Okay, perfect. And what else, what are our other opportunities for pleasure? I think we hit a lot of good ones and in some ways like the opportunities start to touch on that too. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really cool was that the house, like the way you're thinking about it now is gonna like, support different personality types like whether you're an introvert or an extrovert which i thought was really kind of fun Mm. yeah i mean it's important to me because like one thing i i want people to feel comfortable and the thing is sometimes i go to parties and i'm feeling totally uncomfortable and the way i could feel comfortable is if there was something for me to do like on -on one-on-one like me and my environment without having to involve anybody else then i can be genuinely not pretending to look at the book titles or not pretend, you know, but actually engaged in something. So one thing I like to do at parties, my own parties is to have crafts out so that people can just go do the craft and they don't have to, you know, you can easily talk to people when you're doing something else, I think. And so I kind of want it to be that kind of like, I want to leave my puzzles out in the map room so that, you know, if somebody just felt like just going and working on the puzzle, they could. Yeah. Also, I don't like to have to put puzzles away because then you never do puzzles because when are you going to finish the puzzle? Like when do you have 16 hours in a row to finish a puzzle when it's not a blizzard or, you know, a pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was realizing after I did the whole map room, the first puzzle we did in the pandemic when we thought it was only going to last like three weeks. Actually, so this puzzle took us, we didn't finish it till the end of April, I guess, but we worked on it. The kids and I, um, listen to podcasts and worked on it every night. So it was like the thing I would do with them. So, and then, and it's a map, it's like a celestial and terrestrial map. So I want to frame that, obviously put it in the map room near the puzzle table was on our table for like two years. And then when we had to sell the house, we actually had to put it somewhere. So I put it in this other frame, but it's, at least it's preserved, but I want that to a piece, you know, because to me, that's like our whole family dynamic that was the upside of the pandemic and that we got to actually spend time together doing stuff like that. Oh my gosh. That's so cute. That's God, that's like the kind of stuff I want all my clients to be telling me. Cause that's like those sentimental moments that can be like a decorative element in your home that actually like mean so much to you. Like that's what it's all about. I love that. It's so good. Yeah. Well, I need to get a good frame for it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So we have, we can talk about look and feel a little bit. 
And I don't have like a jazzy exercise for that. And I'm sure you've got a Pinterest board going. And if you don't, you probably have one in your head. But one of the things that I always like to do, and I did just a little bit of last night is like, you know, stalk the history of the property. And it's nice in your location because there's a fairly decent amount of just easily Googleable information on the house and the history, which you probably know, because I think there's a sign like the Nicholas Tabor thing, mm -hmm. which I thought was really cool. And what I found out about Nicholas Tabor was he built a few houses like he kind of was like a builder. Um, and so yours was one of them. And then he also owned the, the Rising Sun Tavern or the Rising yeah. Sun Inn, yeah. um, which I think is really cool. And then also he was a like a sailor, like a sea, he was a seaman, he was a seaman, um, which I think is really cool. And you mentioned that there was like a wave detail in the house, yeah. which I was like, oh, I wonder if that's because he loved the sea, which I think can be really cool one thing that might help like you have the tap room right which is right. cool okay can i explain the tap room for a second yeah, okay yeah. there was a question in my mind for a little while whether or not they meant our house or a different building that was because it said in one article that i read it said that he had opened up his house to be a an inn or a tavern right so then i was thinking like well if this was the inn, if this was the property that he did that on because it said it was oxford street and main street and we're a little bit from main street but we're on oxford street but it turns out that it was not the place, but they had this other sign. They have this like logo of the rising sun and everything on this thing. Yeah. So I was like thinking of putting that on the outside of the house yeah. in the like portico, uh, the cornice of the portico or whatever you would call that. It turns out it wasn't our house. I'm very disappointed. But while I was thinking it was our house, I was thinking like that room, as you go forward, it's kind of a big room and it had the big fireplace. And I felt like that was the tap room. So that's why I called it the tap room. So that's so it'll be kind of like the concerts tap room. So that's how it became tap room. Anyway, continue. I love that. It's, I think that's so fun. And you got all your words to rhyme too. Oh like, my God. I know that's too much for that. Oh, that's so goofy. It is so goofy, but you know, it was like the tap room. And then I'm like, well, I want to put all my maps. I love maps. And that front room should be like a map room. And that rhymes with tap. And I'm like, well then obviously I need to rhyme nap room. Yeah. I, know, I guess I called it the nap room. Cause I was just really tired when I was, um, I just was thinking about how I can nap in each room of the house. So I love that. Just want to um, sleep. I think it's brilliant because it, it's a great question. It's like, what are all of these rooms for? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it all it all works really nicely. But I love, like, I think that when you can draw from the history like that, it really starts to make the space feel purposeful. So I think when you're thinking about aesthetic stuff, you can really lean pretty heavily on some of those historical markers. Like obviously the nautical thing, it's coastal. So that's not necessarily like groundbreaking in any way, but the fact that it was like, not just coastal, like, coastal grandma like have you seen that trend oh yeah i have i have like coastal grandma i know <laughs> like, like what the heck not necessarily like that but in my mind i'm thinking more like see like out to sea person um like truly nautical things like looking at boats and things like that for for details and inspiration but then you also have this cool contrast 
with the rising sun, which is kind of like the opposing element to water, which is fire. So then you get this balance out and you can always do like, I love when I have an excuse to incorporate the sun in as like a motif because you see it in like, it's such a huge part of art deco, like the sun's rays and you'll see like these sunburst um, veneer patterns and things like that. And there's so many different things that you can do with that. So I think that could be a really cool guiding principle, but I was curious if you had any other thoughts about like just general aesthetic. Cause I know you have like the list of all the different rooms and what you want to do. And I think everything sounds good, but in terms of kind of like the narrative of the house, what else were you thinking? So aesthetically, I want it to be, I want the first room to be kind of like, whoa, when you come in the front door, like kind of bougie, just bougie and aesthetic. I want yes. it to seem like, I, I imagine that there's a velvet couch in there. Now I also, in reality, have two cats and a yellow lab. So having all these things, this is why I don't have nice things because I have these animals who live with me, but they are part of my family, I guess. So how I'm going to have a velvet couch, I don't know, but I like the ones with buttons. But as I said, I can't have the buttons because he's just going to chew them off. Pets are tough. Like, you know, we can look at fabric types that are meant to take a beating, like stuff that you would use, like Krypton's in hospitals that have like a nicer hand. And some of them, I think some of them feel like velvet. We can kind of look at that. If we were going to go the reupholstery route, that's definitely one potential solution as well. Yeah. So I want people to walk in and be like, whoa, okay, I get the vibe here. And that I want, that's what like, I have it in mind. Like I am going to be meeting with people that I don't know in this room. And then Michael's going to bring some limeade on this nice tray and he's going to put it down on the hassock footstool. What do you call it? Like those big things that go with couches that, um, an ottoman, an ottoman. And, um, so you know, an ottoman that would be pretty big, but could be a, um, coffee table, you know, like the, yeah, the, you the, mentioned the longer that. one. Yeah. And then so that when I'm in there by myself, like reading, I can be more loungy. Yeah. I always think that's such a good solution to do the ottoman with a tray. It's like the most versatile option. And, it's, sure. and it seems kind of fancy to have a tray, like have people bring in the, you know, refreshments on a tray. Trays. So, yeah. So fancy. <laughs> that's I something to do with my trays finally. Okay. So this is awesome. And I feel like you've got a really clear aesthetic vision, which is perfect. One thing that I thought was really cool. I love family history. I think as I get older, I used to think it was so dumb. And as I get older, I'm kind of like, this is so interesting, but I love that you've got cartography in your lineage because in so many ways, what we do as space designers is map making. It's just map making of buildings. So I feel like in some ways celebrating this map making lineage that you come from is celebrating you as an architect, which is kind of what we want to do in these more subtle ways, because you're going to be bringing people through and it's like, oh, yeah, and then this was my, you know, my I'm a descendant of this person who made all these cool maps and like, I'm going to make your map. you know, <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. Well, I love to look through Craigslist for treasures, basically. Yeah, because why not? Why not try to find somebody else's treasure? But I mean, things like I have two of my couches here or my two couches here have been were from Craigslist just because we didn't want to spend a ton of money because of our pets, but our pets are never going to die, meaning they are going to die, but we'll get new ones. We'll never be pet free, probably. 
So I have to accept that and, and try to live with it and have a nice couch. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because with what's on the market today, particularly with upholstered goods, I think you are so much better off finding a piece at a thrift store or maybe even a more upscale vintage store. And um, there are a lot of really good places in Massachusetts. I can give you a list of, of some of them that are just like, and I'm sure you know them too, because they're, they're just like, you know, they're great. But, and then getting that piece reupholstered in a fabric that you love. I think that's always the best route when it comes to upholstered goods. You're getting a way better quality structure of, of a piece. Like the stuff that you get in retail stores these days, just it like deflates after like six months and you're like, oh, that's weird. There's like a dip where I sit and that's so embarrassing. And like yeah. vintage pieces just don't do that. Mm -hmm. So depending on what the upholsterer's schedule is and the lead time of the fabric that can potentially cut down on the amount of time that it takes to get your sofa finished. Because if West Elm is saying it's going to take four months, but you can go to a vintage store and you get the piece and then the fabric's in stock and the upholsterer is not super busy. That's the thing where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how busy, but it, it still might be less time. It's not going to be cheaper. That's one thing I always like to caveat. It's not cheaper, but it's more sustainable and it's a better quality. The tricky thing with that is that you, it's harder to like search by dimension, um, mm -hmm. but it can still be, I think that's what's going to yield the best result. And especially if you are trying to kind of go for this historic, but not old fashioned feel when you take an older piece and reupholster it in like a modern clean looking fabric, that's when you get that kind of like interesting flavor of like, oh, what is this piece with this like kind of older shape in a, in a newer fabric. So mm. that's definitely what I would recommend. But if that sounds, cause it's a process, right? There are definitely tons of other ways that we can go. There are um, companies that we can look at for sure for sofas. I like to customize things or I like to say like, I would love this dress if it had this type of neckline. And if only I knew how to sew better, I would do it, you know, and had the time I would do that. So I feel the same way about furnish furnishings. Like I love this, but I wish it had this type of texture to it or, yes. you know, something else. If you like the shape and you like kind of like the, the structure of it, then yeah, you can just re refresh all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm all for that. And then, I mean, I know that's not going to be, that's like not going to be an instant gratification sort of thing. No, but while. it's a delayed gratification thing. It's like one <laughs> yeah. of my favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah. So that sounds good. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take what we talked about for look and feel, and I'm going to just put together a really quick overall mood board to just kind of try and document what we have. I'm sure you've got images, but it's just kind of part of the package of the notes of this meeting. Sure. Um, and I'll send you your swoop exercise and your headline of the future. And you'll just have that as a little guideline as you go. If you feel like this conversation and what I'm going to send you is going to be kind of enough of like a, a directional um, steering thing, 
I can't think of words right now, um, then we, we probably don't need to meet for a couple of months and you can get in the space and you can kind of like get things going. And then, you know, you can say, oh, I'm a little lost on X, Y, and Z, and we can schedule the meeting then and meet. Or, you know, some clients want it to be a little bit more like, I wanna meet with you in like a couple of weeks because I still don't feel like 100% comfortable moving forward. So it's really just whatever you wanna do. Yeah, well, I mean, practically speaking, I need to like have the electrical redone and all that. So I don't, I'm not gonna be able to paper the walls or do any of that until that's done, obviously, because I don't wanna tear it up. Yeah, I would say paint and wallpaper can come last because the furniture and fabric are a little bit more challenging to make coordinate with other things. So if you get the furniture, the fabric set, then it's really easy to pick out a paint that coordinates. And then it's also fairly easy to find a wallpaper that will coordinate. So that can definitely come more towards the end. Yeah, it's too bad because that's what I want to do now. I know. I, just, I, I always tell my students because they're like, we'll start a project and they're like picking out furniture day one. And I'm like, that's the frosting on the cake. We have to figure out how many people we're feeding, if anybody has any allergies, what the shape of the cake is going to look like. And then you start thinking about the frosting, but everyone wants to like get into the fun stuff. So I know. And there's nothing wrong with like looking. You yeah. can still look. True, true. So should I be putting mood boards together for the rooms that we can talk about? Like I've heard, I don't know, maybe you told me, or maybe somebody else told me that having an image that you gauge everything else against, like, would this go in this room based on this image and the vibe of this particular, should I do something like that? Yeah. I think that's really, really helpful to do to kind of give you a little bit of a lighthouse to help you make decisions. Yeah. Okay. So, and I assume you're going to send me homework to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For, for the second meeting, I'll, I'll kind of like go through our notes and see, um, based on what we talked about, like all the different things that you should kind of pay attention to. One of the things that is like really, really helpful for you to do is put together a visual inventory of everything that you have. And that way, when you're making decisions about, do I want to get this piece? You can look at it. Like you're almost making a mood board of your existing furniture, which is like not not quite as exciting as like a more aspirational mood board, but it's a really helpful thing to just see like a grid or even like a list with the dimensions. Like I will do that um, in Excel where you have like a thumbnail of the image, um, the dimensions, and then you can also just put notes of like, this needs to be reupholstered or this needs to be cleaned, or I might get rid of this or something like that, you know? any project I'm working on, that's like the master document. And, and it's just really helpful to see everything in front of you. Like for visual people like us, I feel like it's just, you think about it and you're like, yeah, I know it's there, but then you see it and you're like, okay. (laughs) So that'll be really, really helpful. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Amy. This is um, fun and inspiring. Okay, good. Yeah. It was really great to talk to you and just let me know, um, when you're ready to meet again and and we'll go from there thank you for listening and thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends it is growing all the time and i really appreciate that i would love to hear from you if you have anything to say about this episode or past episodes good or bad or a suggestion for a new episode send me an email at thehousemaven at 
TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is a proud member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. Check out my other show and all the rest of the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. And until next time, take it easy.